Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Welcome to Podcart's Life is Like a Box of Records podcast. My name is Helena Rafai. Occasionally, we bring in special guests to talk about the songs that have soundtracked their lives so far. For rights reasons, music may be shorter than the original song. This week's guest is Jill Lorian. Jill Lorian is the nom de guerre of Jill O'Sullivan, founding member of Sparrow in the Workshop and Body Parts. The Glasgow musician is releasing her debut EP under her new name on May 4th. She's a vibrant, warm, positive person and her musicianship is equally as inspiring. So Jill, welcome to Podcart. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, you are guesting on this Life is Like a Box of Records and you've picked songs so that we can kind of go through your, well, significant times within your your life so far. Um, first of all, I kind of want to go through what you've been up to over the last kind of few years. Uh, obviously, you had to I mean, I've probably known you on and off about 10 years, um, but through sparring the workshop and body parts and so on. Um, but it's just recently that you've started doing a solo project, which is incredible. And what are you, what made you kind of do this now rather than anything? Um, you know, that's a good question. I think it just kind of felt like the right time. Um, I had some huge life changes. One main one being I, I had a little girl, Luna, and that really um, changed so many things for me as a musician. And in particular, I had to think of new ways to work. And um, a, a couple things happened all at the same time. I had finished one project, Body Parts, and I my daughter was getting to a point where she was going to nursery. I had a bit more time to think. I was also doing a lot more work with organizations like um, Fox Luminous and Loretto Care and was kind of getting into that kind of thing. And I started also working with um, Alex Nielsen and Ali Roberts on a project. And there was something about the ephemeral quality that they bring in that kind of world, that folk world where they just do stuff off the cuff. And I had been writing and I bumped into my friend Andy Monaghan at a bar and he was like, oh, are you working on anything right now? And I was like, I've kind of been working on a few things, but, you know, I I don't come across this way, but I can be quite shy. So I was like, I don't know if you'd want to hear it. It's crap, you know, whatever. And he was like, no, no, no. Like, I'd love to, like, let's do some stuff. And um, my friend Pete Kelly, who had done stuff with on a dance project, who's an incredible drummer, and he'd done some drumming for body parts as well. He's a, he's amazing, and he was just like, um, yeah, I'd like to hop in on this. And we realized we just had this really great live, like this just wonderful spark where I would bring my thing and say, wait, this is what I'm working on. 
you guys do what you feel comfortable doing and let's do it live and let's record it live. And they were like, that's kind of crazy. Okay. So, but we're musicians, let's try it. And we did it. And I think part of the reason it had to be fast also is because of the new life that I had where I'm like, I don't have as much time to kind of spend in studios. I don't have the money. I don't have, I got a little kid and I got all these other jobs. You know, you 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 understand this. You're spinning all these different plates and you're just kind of like, yeah, how do I do this? So I, <laughs> they loved it though. And we all really enjoyed it. And that's kind of how Jalorian. I started thinking this could be a thing. This could be a way to make this work. So I could do it solo by myself if I need to do shows that way. And if I have the luxury of it uh, and the guys are free because they're both very busy dudes, then we can all do it together. And it just seemed like the right time, the right feeling. And maybe I had just a little more confidence, probably because of the lack of time, to just jump into it, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, totally. And um, because... Andy and Peter they're they're part of a a kind of and yourself it's part of an institution within Scottish music when it comes to like the the bands the different projects you've all been part of um I mean one of the questions I sometimes ask people that are collaborating on this level with so many of the same people uh, how say for example that that things kind of once this lockdown finishes that we'll probably talk about a bit more um, and say things like progress do you kind of ever worry that if things become more busy and popular that those people won't have the same amount of time to dedicate or have you got things in place to to kind of account for that that's like a really good question um (laughs) I think that yes I think when I got involved with Andy and Pete I knew they were very busy and I think in a way I kind of liked it because I was like, they would understand equally if I said, right, I'm going to just like go and do a couple gigs on my own because they'd be like, well, I'm really busy. And also I would, I'd be pretty flexible if they were just like, sorry, but I can't do this, this tour or something. Or if, if a tour came up, let's just say for instance, it's hard to know, what might happen or if anything. But I think one of the other exciting things is I'm trying not to like, or exciting for me is I'm trying not to think about what could be. And I'm just thinking about what is. So if, if two months down the line, somebody came and said, Oh, Hey, do you want to, I'm just going to say beak. Cause they're like one of my favorite bands. Do you want to support us on a tour around the UK or something? If Andy and Pete weren't free, I would probably just accept that and either go, well, I can't do this, but maybe that, or maybe we would talk about bringing in some session musicians to just do the tour with. I don't have my heart set on like, I'm not trying to worry about any of that just now. And just instead, I, I for me, Jalorian is also just about making music I really love and with my friends and in a way that I, that that's sustainable. So I just want to talk about the name Jill Lorian. Was that a play on something? <laughs> yeah. So the DeLorean. Yeah. <laughs> but you're the only person who's like got that. I can't believe, like no one else is like on, wait, like DeLorean? <laughs> I'm, I'm such a sado when it comes to Back to the Future. So, <laughs> um, but that's amazing. 
thank you. Well, funny enough, that was my nickname as a baby. So since you're... Oh, really? Yeah. Since you're into Back to the Future, you're going to like this. My dad briefly worked for DeLorean. <laughs> Holy crap. That's such a great fun, like, fact. And it's such a beautiful tie-in. Yeah. And they called me Baby DeLorean as a joke. Oh. And so I didn't know that. And my mom told me. She's like... My mom can be really quiet and shy, and she was just like, oh, oh, you know, they used to call you DeLorean, and I was like, no way, that's the coolest thing ever, why have you never told me this my whole life? And it was, it just felt right, because I had just <laughs> recorded these songs, and I was like, DeLorean, sure, why not? A little bit cooler than than me, a little bit, maybe, hopefully, <laughs> a little bit, a better, mo- better make and model than Jill O'Sullivan, so. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, Selena. <laughs> So I want to start talking about your tracks, which are all awesome and very cool. And um, it's uh, so we kick off with Madonna into the groove. And why did you pick this song and and why is it so significant for you? Okay, so um, Madonna was my favorite person as a kid. And I I don't even care if that's cool or not to say. I don't know. I just loved everything about Madonna. I loved how she even, you know, when I was little, I sensed she didn't care. She was just doing what she wanted to do. And she cut about in these great kind of like, you know, leather kind of outfits with old bangles and just um, spikes and stuff. And, uh, I used to go to the library with my mom and rent movies and I rented Desperately Seeking Susan and I think it was because Madonna was on the cover and I was like I want to watch this whole movie it just became my favorite film and I'd go back every week and rent it and they would always joke like the librarians would be like do you want to rent something else this week sweetheart and I'd be like "Mm -mm." (laughs) just desperately seeking Susan please (laughs) and uh, how does Madonna sit with you now do you still kind of go back to the nostalgic side or have you followed her career along I I mean to some extent I've always kind of had a side eye on her like I'm and by side eye, I mean a little bit like sometimes like, dude, what are you doing? Like her, her latest <laughs> antics during coronavirus, I've been like, this is so cringe. I mean, why are you like naked in a bathtub with flowers? And at the same time, I'm like, cool, you're naked in a bathtub with flowers. Of course you are, you're Madonna. Um, but maybe she's like a little bit out of touch with reality more than she used to be. I don't know. I mean, who knows? Maybe she was never. She's always been like in a different on a different planet. But um, I do think that for as a young girl, I felt like she seemed so bold. And that wasn't something that was necessarily asked of girls at, you know, my age, you know, I mean, I'm 
I'm older now. I can't pretend I'm like cutting about my twenties anymore, but you know, like, I mean, I'm even my thirties, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting on. And it's just kind of like, I think she was just so inspirational for me as a kid to think, well, she's doing things her way. And she's not like a wallflower. Like I just felt like a lot of like girls were asked to just be pretty and prim and their opinions didn't matter as much. And she was an opinionated person. And I loved that about her. I loved the way she was constantly in the world of pop, you know, within, within reason, she was pushing, she was pushing boundaries and she was making people uncomfortable. And, and that wasn't really something I saw in a lot of other, uh, you know, female musicians. Yeah. And is that something that you've become kind of conscious of now considering well, you, you're a mother of a, a you've got a daughter and um, you are a musician. Is that any, is this elements of that that are in, kind of in the back of your mind that you feel that you really kind of want to make sure that those either young women or men or anyone following you is kind of under the understanding that they can do what they want or be who they are or I hope so like I I mean I I don't think about it too much to be honest more than I used to just in the sense that I used to just assume I was equal if I felt equal and then as I got older I realized I maybe I saw things and and realized certain aspects of the music industry and of um, just being a, a woman in a in that industry that maybe I, I was being naive. So I think it's it's always there a little bit at the back of my mind. Like I want, I would hope that young women or people who identify as women uh, would would maybe feel if they came to see me perform or in any kind of shape or form that maybe they could do that too that they're that that's open to them you know like because I when I think about it every step of the way I mean I I love a lot of musicians that are fronted by guys obviously like and I try I try not to pay too much attention to like the gender divide but at the same time I'm aware that the reason I picked up a guitar was was literally after hearing cat power for instance or um yeah I've I've always loved loved seeing seeing women up front and center and and doing their thing and playing instruments and singing and writing and I love that so yeah I think I would hope I would hope that that I could help in any way shape or form I don't know yeah um another incredibly strong woman and a powerhouse that you've kind of picked is is Lauren Hill who for many is just you know, completely sublime as an artist um, through Fuji's right through to her solo material. Um, it's I think it's sometimes very hard for people that, that come on this podcast to, to pick one song from an artist at times. So what was it about this one in particular that stood out for you? Um, oh, do you know what? This one is, a, it's a kind of more of an, it was a nostalgic pick because I was listening to her right when I was falling in love for the first time. <laughs> And I remember this boy was not good for me. So he was a sweet boy, but you know, it's your first love. And oh God, I just got my heart broken so many times by the same boy. And I remember this song, I would always listen to it. And I'd be like, you know, she'd be like, when it hurts so bad, why does it feel so good? And I'd be like, I'm going to go back and I don't, I shouldn't. (laughs) 
she got, she understood that. She completely like, she was like, what? Yeah, it hurts. And yet here I am. So <laughs> it was just a song, a song that soundtracked my, the roller coaster of my first love. <laughs> and I kind of w- want to go back a bit um, in terms of when you were growing up, where, where did you grow up? Uh, Chicago. And why, what made you, how did you end up in Scotland, first of all? So I, I was originally in London. I did it. I did a master's degree down there and I actually, um, I'm originally from, my parents are Irish. So I have like an EU citizenship. I, <laughs> I have, um, I have both dual Irish and, and British citizenship, uh, now, um, so I was able to, to, to go to school here and, and work here. Otherwise, I could never have afforded it. So it was very, very um, uh, mellifluous, if you will. But I went to London, and it was too big a city. It was too fast, too um, crowded. I didn't find it that friendly. And I'd always liked the music up in Scotland. I had been listening to a lot of, um, like, Mogwai, Arab Strap, Twilight Sad, and I remember hearing, like, me and Nick, my partner, who we moved up together, we heard the Twilight Sad on a Mark Riley show. They did, like, a, an acoustic set, and it was so good. And I just thought, oh, there's a bit of anger that I, I like and kind of, um, yeah, it was just, I loved it. And I thought, that that feels like more of a place that, that resonates with me and I think Nick felt the same. So we thought we would just come up. We had like a hundred quid in our account, but we did. And we ended up staying. And it's weird because you've almost, you've got connections with those, those bands now. So it's, it's crazy how life works out. Nick, your third pick, uh, Portishead, who are just one of these bands that um, I think we're a bit of a game changer for a lot of people and um, they obviously I'm assuming that your love of Beak comes from from it has continued from them as well but why Portishead and, and why this song? Dummy I think came out in 94 I would have been too young to be into them at that point but I it came I think I first heard it in 97 or 98 maybe and um I I loved it. I think it was the right time. I was a teenager. I had tons of teen angst. Um, but also, like, Beth Gibbons' voice was so ethereal and, and out of this world and unique. And I felt like, she, you know, when you listen to her, you felt like she's singing to you. Like, her pain is your pain. And <laughs> so that kind of classic trope of the, the teen angst and the, the pain that goes along with it.
if it was like the right time and I loved it so much. And I also, yeah, I, um, like I've mentioned, I've always struggled with my confidence, but I would sing this, I would sing this song a lot. Um, was it Wandering Star, I think. And um, I remember in school, people would ask me to sing it and I get like given, like, they'd be like, I'll give, I'll give you Skittles or something or a chocolate bar if you'll sing. So I'd <laughs> be like, cool. So yeah, I would, I would do it. And um, yeah, I just, just love, love Portishead. I just thought they were really inventive and interesting. I was also into music that was coming from um, Bristol and surroundings. Like I love Tricky and uh, I mean, I guess they were from Portishead, which is very, very nearby, but yeah, I thought I was cool listening to this kind of music. I probably, I wasn't, I was a dork, but still, you know, like just great. Just really great. Going back again, you've obviously in Scotland, but going back to your, your childhood, what's your first musical memory? I'm putting you on the spot. No, actually it's a good question. Uh, one of my f- earliest memories of well my earliest musical memories my dad and I would make up songs when we would go to he would take me to nursery and it was because it was so brutally cold in Chicago and he would sing to me to take my mind off the cold so we had this song that went daddy and Jill go out for a walk bibbly bubbly bibbly bubbly and we would make up songs as we went so that was kind of my first musical memory but my first memory of like hearing someone other than my dad like making up bibble bubble songs uh to to to, to keep me off the potential chill blains you know uh was um talking heads um and it was i was sitting in my dad had a beetle it was a really cool old beetle and the we had the windows down it was like 105 it was like 102 degrees out i don't know what that is in fahrenheit like 40 41 degrees and uh once in a i think it was once in a lifetime when the days go by and i remember lifting my my thigh to the beat and it would go on the on the leather of the seat <laughs> Sorry, that's horrible. Once in a lifetime, water flow. And just being like, this song is the best. I love the melodies. That was the first time, I think it was Talking Heads that made me realize, like, above all else, I always am a sucker for a good, a great melody. And so you mentioned your your dad and, and you know, the, the songs. Were there any other uh, musicians that your parents kind of introduced you to that you remember fondly? Um, yeah, uh, as a, as a young child or like older, like as when you were in a childhood. Yeah. Um, yeah. So talking heads was one. Um, another one I, I used to love listening to was, um, Tom Waits. I used to call him the boogeyman cause he kind of scared me, but I would always, it was like, you know, that kind of fear where you'd kind of stick your head around the corner and you'd be like, who's that person? <laughs> you know, loved it. So, and, um, Actually, my father listened to a lot of singers who happened to be women. He loved the female voice, I think. So there was always, I mean, I say my dad because my mom's like not really as into music as me and my dad are. So um, he would always play uh, people like, from my memory, like Dolly Parton and Emmylou Harris and um, Kate Bush and just just all these really mellifluous kind of vocalists and um yeah so I remember that and I I always I I kind of grew up hearing these people kind of ululating in the background and I always thought oh this is brilliant so <laughs> oh no that's lovely yeah. um, 
So you mentioned that Cat Power is the person that uh, inspired you to pick up a guitar. Was this the, your next pick, Free? Was this the song that inspired that? It was. It. I was. Um, I can remember. I don't remember much. Sometimes I worry about my memory. It's really bad. But I can always remember things if there, if like there was some music playing that I really liked. My memory will be stronger. Do you find that ever? Yeah, um, I I got asked to do a mixtape this week, and um, it's yeah, it's it's fascinating what certain songs and artists kind of inspire what's happened and so on. Yeah, it it really is, isn't it? Like I I feel as though in some ways memory and music are so and can be so strongly intertwined. So I remember I just got out of the shower. I was in Montreal, and so I was listening to like CBC Radio. So it's Canadian Broadcasting, and um, which is a fantastic radio station. Brilliant! I still listen to it sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've found some real gems on there. Oh yeah, same exactly. And um, so I'm, I turn it on, and this there's a woman on the radio, and she says, I can't remember the name of the DJ, but she said, um, so I'm, I'm going to play you the new song by Cat Power, and I'd never heard Cat Power ever. And it was like, so this is called Free, and then the guitar came in. And I was just like, oh my God, what is this? and I, I just froze and I turned it up wait I didn't quite freeze because I had to turn it up but I turned it up and then I just stood still and I listened to the whole thing and, and I went out immediately to a record store and bought it like immediately just I was I need to have this in my life and then I picked up a guitar and started trying to learn guitar <laughs> obviously you're you've you've getting into to teenage years I want to talk about um the how was how were your teenage years were you part of a kind of you know people were part of a grunge phase or they were part of a dance scene or whatever was there anything or were you just kind of you felt that you were within your own self and you were quite unique in terms of what you were doing oh um you know what and this is going to sound weird but in some ways I kind of always wished I was part of a scene because I always found scenes really cool as a teenager like I love the kids that were like all into punk or into grunge or the hip hop kids. But I was like probably the same way I am now. I guess I've carried it on that. I just loved, I love music period. So I loved all the genres. Like I liked, you know, as much as I listened to say, you know, I would listen to Portishead and Tricky. I also listened to a lot of like, um, I loved Bob Dylan. I listened to an awful lot of Bob Dylan in high school I listened to um, a lot of hip hop because actually that's what my friends were listening to. You know, I grew up inner city Chicago, went to a public school right in the middle of the city and everyone was always blasting rap and hip hop. So listen to that. And if I go to parties, all my friends were DJing house music. It wasn't necessarily what I loved, but it was just there. And so I, I got into that, you know, I listened to like the far side and Gangstar and like all these kind of, kind of hip hop bands. Um, um, 
but also I had this thing where people thought it was funny that I was so into like Bob Dylan. Like I had so many Dylan albums and, um, and I especially loved Dylan's electric phase. And I listened to a lot of classic rock by the time I was 15 and 16 and really, really got into like that kind of stuff, like deep purple, (laughs) black Sabbath. Um, and yeah, so it was really varied. Like I was kind of a little bit of a, a musical, I don't know, a wanderer, if you will. The last uh, two picks that we're coming up to um, are, uh, so the first one, Peoria Lunch Box Blues. I don't know this song. I hadn't heard of it, so which is really good for me. I love when that happens on, on podcasts and, and the guests come on. So educate me, please. Okay, so um, Magnolia Electric Company was like, uh, I think it actually... It was a project of Jason Molina's, who was Songs Ohio. And I came across him in my early early 20s or late teens. I can't remember exactly. Maybe early 20s, yeah. And um, I, I just loved, like, loved, 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 loved Songs Ohio. Like, if, if, this, if you're new to this, I would recommend Songs Ohio that hits his stuff that's a little bit more stripped back than Magnolia Electric Company. But... Then Magnolia Electric Company I heard, and at first I kind of sort of brushed it off. I was a bit like, oh, this is all, this is quite like hi-fi, uh, you know, like a Midwest country or something, you know, a kind of country rock. But actually I listened again and I was like, no, this is really good. And then again and again, and then before I knew it, all I listened to was that for like a whole year. <laughs> no. become one of my favorite artists of all time i know sadly he passed away from a a mixture of mental health issues uh alcoholism and also just living in a country that had no um that didn't have proper health care system so that was heartbreaking but um part but yeah I, i i just love him and like he had this song lioness which was one of my my favorite songs ever um I think he imbibed a lot of like what the Midwest represents to me, which is kind of like something that I grew up with. You know, I mean, I grew up in a big city, a big concrete jungle, kind of pretty much right smack bang in the middle of everything in a slightly rough neighborhood, actually. Um, But at the same time, like there was a lot of space in in Chicago. The streets are wide. Uh, there are apartments out at the lakefront, but most people live in like, a, a, there's a lot of houses too, a lot of rundown houses as well. But there's, you know, like you get, there's space and then there's a loneliness to that space. And then as you start to drive out of the city into the, you know, it's all flat and featureless kind of, and it goes on for miles. And I felt like Jason Molina 
Magnolia Electric Company captured that perfectly. And so there was a feeling in my early 20s where I was getting an itchy foot like a snail. And you can hear this yearning in his voice, like he's kind of yearning to move. And he's all, he was on the road a lot touring with his band. And they were like, you know, I feel like they just captured what I was feeling at the time, like the sense of being in the Midwest and the some of the wonderful things about it, you know, Comiskey Park, um, the Lakeshore Drive, the lakefront, uh, all these little kind of references throughout his music, but also just that, that space is loneliness one of his actual lyrics, I think. Um, and then on that album, he had some guest vocalists. The, uh, um, and there was Peoria Lunchbox Blues, which had Scout Niblet singing on it. And so through him, I got into her and a lot of like what she was up to. And she was just another person I really love. Super incredible musician with a real just emotional way of expressing herself. And so I thought, um, yeah, there's like, I don't know, her her voice like meanders a bit, but then it's got this like sharp edge that's sort of, you know, it's like a dagger that keeps you focused on what she's singing. And that resonates with me. I I like that because I feel like I can be a little intense and as a musician. And yeah, so just, I can't say enough about how much I love like Songs Ohio, Magnolia Electric Company, Scout Niblet, all that kind of stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, now you speak with great passion, which is really inspiring about that. So I'm sure that, well, myself certainly will go and kind of investigate that that stream of music. And um, you, so that, yeah, the last 10 years, I guess Scottish music has played such an important part and and sparing the workshop indeed was part of a plethora of bands that were kind of really put Scotland on the map and 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 body parts that was kind of a bit of a departure um but it was so it was such an amazing arrival of and it was such a burst of color and just vibrancy and and dynamic with the music that you were both doing um do do you miss being part of body parts Mm, wow it's you know it's really nice to hear you talk about it like that I think it was it was really great do you know what I loved the most was the collaborative feeling that everybody had like everybody was in was both encouraging each other and wanting to like play together. And I love that. It wasn't a kind of competitiveness that you can feel sometimes in certain cities. And it seemed like, like, like everybody was on the same page with that. At least everyone I came across, people were all just like, Hey, do you want to swap albums? And, and also Helena, people like yourself who were, you know, blogs coming up and podcasts and stuff like who are helping us small musicians get a bit of a voice on, you know, the Scottish platform and and pushing us out further to the rest of the UK and, and beyond even, you know, because you guys all had like connections to bloggers elsewhere. And so I just felt like there was just a lot of people with this like excitement for it. And then like Glasgow being a city that already just has such a great musical heritage. And also it's like kind of not uh, an experience, comparatively not an expensive city so maybe all these kinds of things combined and made it just feel like a really great time to be able to to make music to spend more time doing that than like you know working yourself to the bone or whatever I mean I was fortunate in that way and was on a label that did give me money to 
explore that. So I am aware, like I'm, I know that, you know, it's not to suggest people aren't struggling and like, weren't like, we were all piss poor, but like happy at kind of. So your sixth pick uh, and it's your final pick, the song, um, it's Silver Apples with Program. And I know how tough it is to kind of just pick six songs. So how did you come to this being your your final pick? Well, um, (laughs) I think something I've always tried to get, and I don't think I've succeeded at yet, but it's like when you, when you're right, when you're working on music and it's, I've always tried to like capture a a feeling or, you know, um, this is going to sound a little bit silly, but even just like capture the feeling of a breeze on your face or like a bitter wind or something, you know, or, uh, um, even the, the feeling of like getting a paper cut, like it's strange. To, it's hard to explain. I can't put it into words, but I try and capture this kind of the, the essence of things. And I, and it's, it's uh, not, like I say, I don't know if I've, if I'm there yet, but I heard, um, I heard, silver apples I, I had this brief foray into the world of exercise it didn't last more than like a couple months but I went running and I think I was trying to work some issues out and clear my head and it was helping so I would listen to music and this and I was listening to the silver apples album and this song oscillations came on and I was like I had to stop running because I was like this is amazing So this reminds me of childbirth. <laughs> it was really like, there was something about the pulsating, like, cause I think they, they use like, mo- like these big old fashioned modulators. I mean, this was in the days before modular synths and stuff. They kind of invented it. And, um, it was just so pulsating and heavy, but with this intensity, like, and it was just rising. And I was like, I felt like I was about to like get up on the bed and start, oh, start pushing or something. I was just like, <laughs> childbirth so but I loved it and I thought I want to try and capture a bit of that in Jalorian so that's why I put that one in because I feel as though Jalorian and and I spoke about this with Andy because you know he was like producing it and so we were working together a lot and I was like I want I want to kind of get the spirit of silver apples in here if we can and he's a fan of silver apples too and Pete's drumming is naturally very sort of groovy and like it moves. It's like a racehorse or something. And so I thought, this is right. This is, we, we got to capture a bit of this energy. So we've tried to. Moving on to to the present. I mean, I, I want to talk first of all, because I guess we have to talk about the times that we're in at the moment, which is completely surreal and horrific, but there's been some kind of really beautiful moments that have come out of it as well. Um, how are how are you coping with the lockdown and just with what is happening at the moment? Um, yeah, I get, you know, I, I, okay. So every morning when I wake up, I tell myself, I kind of do a kind of, my mother's taught me this. She's a very positive person and she's taught me to be like, 
just say what you're grateful for before you think of anything else. So every morning I go up, I wake up and I go, okay, I'm healthy. My family's healthy. I'm lucky. I'm not a front. I'm not an NHS worker who's being asked to be putting, be put under incredible dress and stress and like, um, relatively I have it pretty easy. I just have to stay in and, you know, eat and sit and look after with my partner, look after our child. Like it's, so I try and always focus on that, but you know, it's a struggle because there are moments where you think, you you know how it is. You're, you're, we're stuck in these four walls. Well, depending on which room we go to, we don't have a garden either. So it's like, it's tough, but I try and always just think about what I have instead of what I don't have and, and how we're all doing something that will hopefully make it better for everyone. So yeah. And how's it affected your creativity? Have you still been doing stuff or is it kind of stunted it a bit? You know what? Like it's really stunted it a lot actually, which is strange. I've never really experienced this before where I can't write or have no desire to pick up an instrument, but part of it's just kind of the day to day is like hard work and just kind of, you know, the, the, the actual physical, implications of it are make it more difficult to think about music but also I don't have a desire to and I thought about this last night because a few people I know are are being like really prolific right now and I'm like go go for it good for you you know that's awesome and I'm also like why am I not why do I not feel like this and um this is gonna sound weird but I think I think I'm a quite neurotic person and I think my neurosis works best in times of like in of non-coronavirus like it it, like it's like the kind of neurosis I need to write it works best when I have the freedom to to think about stuff and but I'm also a little bit of an anxious person or what my mother calls an overthinker but I I think it's like anxiety (laughs) I just the anxiety doesn't it it just doesn't seem like the, the the right type for being creative for me personally so yeah no I've spoken to a lot of people who they are finding it really hard to concentrate they can't even watch a film or they are you know it's something like that that they just they're just like no I just this needs to wait um so I just want to come on to obviously your EP um so are you still planning for release on the 4th of May I yeah I think I you know I I um I had sort of put the the wheels in motion before all of this kicked off and the vinyl run had already start you know it was already in production and so I couldn't really stop it I had considered it but it was too late by the time I um by the time it all kicked off so I also spoke to some people for advice and and also Pete and Andy and everyone was like the only thing we kind of can do right now is release it in this way and um when when things go back to normal then we can go back to like playing and and practicing and and uh hopefully working on EP number two so (laughs) keep your
called Not Your First. It's due out on the 4th of May. Um, and, you know, I, I kind of, this question can be a bit annoying for musicians because a lot of them say, you know, I want people to take their own inspirations. But what what were the inspirations for for this and, and the song titles or the actual writing process and so on? Um, no, that's a, that's a good question. I think when I was, I think there's been times in my life where I've been like, oh, I don't want to answer that. But I don't mind now. I think it's I think it's kind of kind of a fun thing to think about. Um, so then the title, not your first, was because I've been I'd done a couple projects, a theater project, and um, just some other work I'd been doing with another musician who was a bit long in the tooth, like myself. And every time we came up against any kind of hurdle, he would say to me, "Well, it's not your first rodeo, is it?" And strangely, another project I was working on. Another person kept saying that to me. Well, it's not your first rodeo. And I just, if I, after a while, I'd be like, no, it's not. So I thought, I know what I'm going to do is Jalorian's first thing. It's still not, it's not my first, it's not your first rodeo. <laughs> it's like, it's not your first. It's flown by uh, kind of 50 minutes, 45, 50 minutes. But um, what an absolute pleasure to, to speak to you. Um, thank you so much. And I am um, really excited about the EP and I can't wait for us to come out of this so we can see you live as well. Thank you, Helena. I can't, I can't wait either to, to, you know, see you and to be able to, to, to um, be amongst folk and, and share music in a, in a physical live setting. It would be so lovely, won't it? No, wonderful. Take care and stay safe. And, and it's been wonderful speaking to you. You too. And thank you for the, all the lovely questions and the thought you've put into this. So thank you. 